Welcome to the Vet Podcast by the Vet Gurus, Brendan and Mark. Get ready for the latest veterinary news, information and entertainment. Don't forget to visit us at the Vet Gurus website, vetgurus.com. Now, sit back, relax, it's over to the Vet Gurus, Brendan and Mark. Welcome again to the Vet Gurus, it's Brendan here with Mark on the road. So forgive the little noises in the background here, but we're up in Darwin and I think for this podcast, mate, we'll have a bit of a summary of the program here at the Unusual and Exotic Pets Veterinarian Program and also the Nurses Program, which was held on the Sunday, and there were some exciting presentations. But before that, just a quick shout-out to our sponsors, Microchips Australia and Specialised Animal Nutrition and also F10, Chemical Essentials, and Andrew and his team. So um, thank them always for helping us with the podcast. And if you have something to say, and a lot of people have things to say, um, and we'd like you to send us an email and say hello. Vetgurus at gmail.com is the place to send the email to and have a look at vetgurus.com as well. So Mark, let's jump into things. Um, we don't have any news stories because we've been a bit off the radar, haven't we? And we might talk a bit about that either in this podcast or the next one, um, part two of the conference and what we've been up to during the non-conference hours. Um, but first, let's jump into the, the, um, the nurses' stream. And I was incredibly impressed with not only the topics, but the, the quality of the presentations. What about you, Mark? I was much the same as you, Brendan. I was um, uh, very pleased at the, uh, first of all, the attendance. The uh, AVA has to be pretty pleased with the nurses that did make the effort to get here. Um, and also, you know, we had personal connection with uh, some of the nurses who did presentations, so we had insight to what they were talking about. Um, and uh, there were uh, presentations um, also from um, some, some local uh, animal experts. Uh, the the uh, um, acting head of the... Territory Wildlife Park. That's the word. <laughs> Local zoo. I just had local zoo printed in the head. Um, Territory Wildlife Park. You and I went out there, and um, and uh, Simon uh, gave a talk on uh, um, reptiles. And so, yeah, I was I was very impressed with the um, with the standard and quality of presentation and the topics that they covered. It was a um, you know outstanding um, outstanding nurses program. And. I think we should chat a little bit about, uh, off-topic already, the, the Territory Wildlife Park, Mark, because it was such a good little half-day trip we did out there. And um, I think that was an excellent example of, well, a different, certainly not a traditional zoo as such. It's um, almost like a wild animal park, wasn't it? Um, the way they had set, it, set up there and... Um, had some excellent uh, graphics and educational materials there, and you were particularly enamoured with one of the one of the displays, Mark. Do you want to talk our oh, listeners through yes. that? <laughs> I think. Did we talk about this in our? Mate, we may have talked about this already, but I'm happy to go to yes, it again. Go over it again. It's yep. the 
the um, the sandbar, the Ulu sandbar exhibit. Um, the sandbar is a, a, a um, shallow pond, about a metre deep, maybe a little bit more. It was quite a large, uh, you know, 70 or 80 metres long and 10 metres wide. Um, lovely billabong appearance. It's been gardened to look like that. And the, the, um, the pond itself had uh, the whip-tailed freshwater stingrays, uh, barramundi, uh, some and some other freshwater fish of considerable size, and uh, I particularly enjoyed the archer fish, uh, a large archer fish wandering around, um, and the presentation. The pre- one of the keepers got in uh, the water and fed the fish, um, and particularly those large whip rays. They were excellent animals to see um, in that circumstance. Uh, um, lovely big, and they were hungry too. It was basically sort of a free-range lagoon, really. Yeah, so yeah. It, it was fantastic. And yes, we did speak about this, but it may be way in the future because we oh, we right. recorded a, a keeper episode, and um, we go into it a little bit more detail. And I'll, I'm pretty sure that we're going to put this episode out before the other one. So yeah, um, so you don't have twice the <laughs> twice the praise, twice um, the enjoyment. This, um, this particular territory wildlife park, yes. So getting back to the nurses program, Mark, um, there, there was a couple of, well, they were all highlights, but some were even more of a highlight for me. And one in, one in particular um, I loved um, because it was the whole concept of of looking after the the feeder insects, Mark. So, and I think the title of the paper was Ethical Care of Feeder Insects. And Kelsey, who um, provided that, presentation in the nurses stream did an abbreviated version in the veterinarian stream and uh, unfortunately it was um, a li- way too abbreviated. I would have loved it to go for an hour, an hour and a half and I did mention at the end of her talk to the to the delegates in the room in the veterinary stream that we should get Kelsey back at some stage and almost do a master class. So do you want to briefly tell our listeners what what it means? What is ethical care of feeder insects, Mark? So what was it about? Well, the good thing about it is, and I, I you know, really take my hat off to uh, to Kelsey for advocating uh, these positions because the principles that we apply to our unusual and exotic pets that we want them to have a high quality quality of life. We want them to have all the appropriate freedoms. Um, those things apply equally to. Um, the animals that we use as feeder animals and and I know um, Kelsey had a wonderful photograph of of a tub of crickets that she'd bought from a pet store and and I'm sure all of us that have kept insect eating exotic animals have had the same experience Um, half of them have passed away uh, half of them are starving Um, there's no uh, water source there's a bit of mouldy carrot on a piece of paper um, and, um, and 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 the, the few desiccated crickets and the, the remaining crickets are, are dehydrated and and um, don't have and, and it makes well the the primary uh, corollary of making sure that they have a great environment to live in those feeder animals is that they provide better nutrition that they have a better quality protein they have a higher proportion of and more appropriate uh, proportion of fat. Um, so, yeah, it's a it's a win-win situation. If you look after their quality of life, 
they pass that on to the animals that consume them. Um, and, you know, even as much as we might buy those feeder insects at a pet store, um, we need to keep them alive at home and just whacking them in the fridge with if they're mealworms or um, uh, keeping them in the tub if they're crickets is probably an inadequate way to go through that process. It is probably better to uh, set those animals up in um, some sort of enclosure um, that satisfies their needs and Kelsey did an excellent job of describing those. The other thing I really enjoyed about her presentation was the concept of um, a simple ecosystem, that the introduction of uh, predatory mites and, um, and domestic uh, um, carcass consuming beetles in, uh, and isopods for that matter, into those enclosures um, lessened the pressure on a monoculture. Um, and so uh, while they may not have been uh, in the short term as productive as some other systems for housing feeder insects, they were stable and provided food for longer and longer periods of time. So, yep, I was very, very impressed. And like you, I thought uh, there were themes in Kelsey's presentation that would, uh, would do well to be explored in greater detail and uh, a workshop or something in the future would be something to look forward to. Absolutely. And the quality of all the presenters, well, in both streams, Mark, it was, it was fantastic. Um, we, we probably don't have time to run through every single speaker, so unfortunately we will miss out on people that we would like to have a good chat about, um, their, their particular topics, and, and, and give a plug for the speakers, but we'll just highlight a few of them. So apologies to all of you who um, may be listening who presented, because they were all fantastic, both, both streams, Mark, the nurses and, and the vet stream. Um, uh, one other thing that I liked, and I must admit I had a little bit of a hand in it, um, is the fact that the nurses stream was basically run by nurses for nurses, and I think that's a good thing, don't you, Mark? Get the vets out of there. Yeah. It's the same as general practice, isn't it? It's yeah. the same as exotic practice. The whole thing works a whole lot better if we can get the vets out of the way and let the nurses do their job. No, I agree with you, Brendan. I think it's um, uh, it's empowering. It's um. You know, if we have that situation where vets are lecturing to nurses, um, it is is disempowering. And, um, and no, no, the the presenters, uh, all veterinary nurses, all did a, an outstanding job. And um, and like we said, Kelsey switched over and delivered the abbreviated version to the vets, and it was outstanding and well received. And um, yeah, those nurses did a great job. But what about the veterinary? Which which of the veterinary, the veterinary presentations were, uh, like you said, universally of a very high standard and don't want to miss out on anyone. So like Brendan said, don't feel that you didn't impress us if you don't get a mention at the moment. But which ones did you want to mention? Well, before that, Mark, I just, I just want to mention a couple of the topics that were in the nurses' stream just to give our listeners a bit of an idea on the, the scope of the topics and... and how interesting they all were. So um, husbandry and care of ring-tailed possums uh, and brush-tailed possums, bearded dragon nursing and the nursing consult, um, monitoring reptile anaesthesia, 
snake bite first aid for clinics, ethical care of insects we've already mentioned, hospital nursing of native birds, medical nursing of bloating rabbits, uh, bunny led bonding, um, that sounds like a really good one. Um, I, I did manage to hear a little bit of the first presentation mark because I sort of helped introduce it and then got out of there because I was a vet um, but I would have loved to listen to well, all of those marks so yeah a really broad range and fantastic and, and lots of sort of practical information and the feedback I've had from the nurses that attended and it was a pretty full looking room wasn't it Mark um, was excellent so good on them and uh, we're hoping to continue with having a nurses stream every every exotics conference that we run and, and I think increasingly a lot of the exotics conferences around the world are uh, having nurses streams or, 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 or technician streams as well and, and so they should. Um, so getting back to the yeah the VET um, program, uh, well <laughs> the, the obvious one that um, stands out is the, is the opening address and it was a plenary session that was the very start of the whole conference and this was a combined conference so it wasn't just the exotics vets on their own which we we often do it was combined with the Australian small animal uh, veterinarian interest group within the AVA and also the behavior veterinarians and also the dental veterinarians and and the first main plenary session uh, was well it was out it, it was hosted by UPAV, um, the exotics, and it was on a topic that we um, have been following for several years because it's probably number four or number five in a series regarding veterinary treatment of mythological beasts, and it was fantastic. and And the presenter, who, who we know we know both know very well, David, um, is extremely entertaining. But the depth of his research. Um, with the veterinary treatment, and I think the title this year wasn't it, it was Emergency Medicine of, of Mythical Beasts, um, yeah, and it was it was wonderful. So, what were the highlights of his talk for you, Mark? Well, like you, I really enjoy every time I've listened to Necky give one of his um, mythological beast uh, veterinary lectures. Um, it is his uh, research. The you know he'll um, pull out an obscure religious reference from the 1600s, then a, uh, a uh, formative veterinary text from the 1800s. Some Pope who's written on some exactly. mythological creature, yes. And then wrap it up with, um, you know, the 1968 movie version. Um, <laughs> That's right. He, 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 a clip from he, Harry Potter. Or there is nowhere he does not look for information to, uh, to flesh out the details. And and I love the way he does, he doesn't just leave it at that research, he uh, extrapolates from there. So there was a long discussion about, um, for example, the number of, um, where would you place an ultrasound probe on a centaur? Because do they have uh, you know, the heart in the horsey chest part, or do they have the heart up in the human chest part? Um, and so questions like that, um, answered scientifically and with a purpose, uh, you know, they, they will come in handy one day, those answers. Very practical and, um, you know, the one that amazed me that I certainly didn't know and my children and myself have certainly watched 
all of the Harry Potter um, movies and, and read all of the books. And he had a little section on emergency medicine of the Phoenix. Um, and I did not realise, but did you realise that there was literally only one Phoenix? I did not. I did not. But I, I took immense, <laughs> immense pleasure and laughter from uh, uh, Necky's analogy to equine medicine. That um, because the Phoenix, the Phoenix um, burns on its death and then is reborn, if there's anything serious going wrong with the Phoenix that's brought to your clinic, Necky recommends immediate immolation. Um, in order to reset the clock, as it were. Yes, yes. So, and that's the whole life cycle of the phoenix. It, it's, it's reborn from its own ashes, but there is literally only one of them in, in existence at any one time. And he did suggest that it were, if you were trying to save that phoenix and not, not burn it, Mark, um, that, that you certainly don't put it in an oxygen tent. And <laughs> I think that's very good advice, yes. But yes, excellent talk and, and lots of lots of amazing references and also um, well a few movie clips as well and, and uh, textbooks and a little bit of linguistics and, and, and history and Greek history and, and Roman history etc with it as well and I think that was about number four or five of a series and it has threatened to put them all together in a book, um, I'd certainly be purchasing it, Mark. Um, I want my signed copy too, Brendan. <laughs> Absolutely. So that was that was a big highlight and that was a, the first talk that um, kicked off the conference. Um, what was your what was your um, next thoughts, Mark, as far as the veterinary program? Well, I had two quick ones I wanted to mention to you. The first one was that um, due to the problems associated with uh, various upper respiratory tract diseases, um, we had a couple of presenters who couldn't actually be there for the, the uh, first part of the first session, um, but they provided um, uh, recorded uh, versions of their presentation, and I, was, I wanted to mention that, um, that it was a completely different vibe, having people together face-to-face -to -face in the room, even though the presenters were sort of delivering webinar style their address it still was it still was like being at a conference yeah. it worked out really really well and I I just wanted to shout out to those guys who had that additional difficulty of not being able to be here but still deliver their presentation they I did an outstanding job I think you're right it's the, the concern was that it'd be like what's happened with the 101 Zoom meetings and, and lectures that people have experienced over the last two or three years with COVID that we'd be all half falling asleep and pretending to listen but um, it was a totally different vibe and, and I think you know obviously part of it is also the, the quality of the speakers but also the topics that they had as well Mark so um, and one of them was um, one of them I'm just looking at the program here was from Deb, and that was on emergency resuscitation. management. Yes, I really thoroughly enjoyed that. So resuscitation of avian and exotic species, and just a bit of a summary of the current thoughts and her current thoughts, and that she would be changing some of the protocols with her resuscitation techniques and recommendations for small mammals in particular and um, yeah it was it was it was great um, it's so good Brendan I think we should absolutely plagiarize it for a future podcast I think that's a good idea um, and lots of little um, case report topics mark um, and a couple that stand out for me there was um, there was an interesting one on um, well um, 
many case reports from um, the fish vet, um, Richmond, uh, and a bit of a, and he did, he gave two um, two presentations, and uh, it's a bit of a dry topic, uh, the old fish medicine, and, and one of his presentations was the uh, basics of fish medicine, and you know, the pH levels and nitrite and nitrate and ammonia and water quality testing and water changes and all those types of things that we all have to go through with, with, with the fish cases. But he brought it all together brilliantly with, with the case reports um, and he has extensive experience with visiting clients and, and, and numerable, uh, a huge number of species and, and he'd, he'd, have, he'd put up a little picture of the pond um, in situ where the fish are floating upside down or whatever and then he quizzed the audience about you know what do we do here and it, it just tied all together really nicely as far as the, the practicalities of of why and how and, and, and how to correct things like abnormal pH or, or nitrite levels or, or surging ammonia marks so I, I really enjoyed Richmond's talks. One of the other ones that, uh, that uh, really struck me as well was the um, Anne Martin Memorial Scholarship winner, Katie Passfield, um, uh, did a short presentation on uh, um, protozoal burdens in uh, frogs and, um, and we became quite aware of, um, of Katie's passion for our little amphibian friends and, um, and certainly she... Uh, I can, you know, as a final year student, she did an outstanding job with that presentation and I can see her being a, a powerhouse in the UPAV community over the next few years. Yes, it was, um, I mean, she was well-deserved and, and we have two scholarships, as um, the Anne Martin Memorial Scholarship, which is a student scholarship, and then the Stephen Ross Scholarship, which is a practitioner scholarship, and both of those are awarded to... Um, to the best paper that's that's submitted, um, so there is a um, selection committee for them, and um, they're always typically very high standard. Um, those those reports, and yeah, yeah, I'm absolutely with you with that um, with them. Um, the other ones that um, that um, was particularly um, a standout, I think, and. Um, Yes, they're all standout, but this one was the standout among standouts was the Toady Award winner, Mark. Now, you need to chat a little bit about what the hell is a Toady and what is the Toady Award and, and what's the tradition of the Toady Award, and then I'll talk about the winner of this year's award. Well, the simple explanation is that the Toady is the award that's given to the most outstanding presentation at a UPAV conference. Uh, it is a little bit of an unusual name for such an august uh, presentation, um, but um, Brendan set the standard in the first years of uh, the... Yep. In the first years of the uh, UPAV Special Interest Group Conference uh, by getting the most bad taste item he could possibly get uh, whack it on a mount with a little plaque and that was the award and the, the, the original one I think Brendan was a, was literally a toad standing there with an umbrella if I remember correctly uh, well actually slightly different yeah so it was a stuffed cane toad and cane toads are a feral species here the, a cane's toad standing up stuffed and with a walking stick 
um, in one hand and in the other hand a bottle of scotch or something. Um, so, so, and that's where the, 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 everybody called it the Toadie Award since then because it was such a bad taste and it was a toad award. So from that time onwards, which has been about 14 years or so um, plus, um, the Toadie Award has been um, notorious for being extremely different and ugly and um, I think every year it... Um, the bar sings lower. It, it gets lower and lower. And I'll, te- and I'll tell you what, this year it was, it was a load of... You know what? And I, I think you're a little bit to blame for this one this year, Mark. Do you want to describe... And we might, with this particular episode, we'll put this up as a picture on the, on the website, um, vetgurus.com. We always have a picture f- relating to each episode, if you didn't realise... Um, so we'll put the picture of the toady up there. Um, so what is it, Mark? This year's toady was a wonderful um, uh, plastic plate with Indigenous art superimposed on which was a, uh, a, snow, ca- a snow globe. Uh, I think the snow globe had some Central Australian Northern Territory icons in yes. it. And when did it last snow in the Northern Territory, Mark? <laughs> uh, I think it was the Miocene. When it was Gundana land, <laughs> yes. Um, so it has a little plaque on there, the Todia winner, for the most entertaining and informative presentation is the actual title. And, uh, yeah, it's a prestigious award and um, I was... I was humbled, Mark. I did. Um, I think it was in the second year of the toady I managed to snaffle it, and my toady award was a kangaroo poor back scratcher. Um, so that's sitting pride of place in my clinic somewhere, gathering gathering mould. Um, but yeah, so the so the award winner, Mark, for the toady. Um, the award, the, well, it was a, um, an outstanding presentation by uh, Patrick Jones. Um, and, um, and crikey's on the uh, actual s- uh, schedule, the actual program, it's a little bit under, I don't know, uh, it's sim- a simply titled Entroliths in Parrots, but Patrick um, ran through a case series um, that had some very, very unique, I would dare to say, uh, relatively, the case series re- represents a new class of um, introliths. Uh, um, so it's always wonderful. The wonderful thing about the clinical nature of the UPAV conference is that um, there's often um, some new ideas, some new thoughts, and virtually some new discoveries that are, uh, that are presented. And this seems to be one of those. A new class of um, enteric foreign body, uh, a stone that forms in the intestine of parrots, um, and the characteristic that um, Pat found amongst and, and crikeys, the um, the damn things looked metal. They almost looked like little jewels. Yeah, Brendan. Um, and the two things that stood out. They looked like a pearl. Didn't they? They, they did. And they were the concretions developed around hairs that were were trapped in the the intestine. That's the essential thesis. But um, the way that it was presented and researched uh, was outstanding. And one of the well, this is showing how old I am, Brendan. But one of the new things that I've never seen in a um, in a, a presentation at any conference. I think this is a UPAV first. 
was the series of gifts that Patrick developed of the spinning objects that yes. uh, came from his surgical procedures. Yes, the, the, it, it was an outstanding presentation and everybody in the room was absolutely glued to the, to the screen during it. And they were bizarre, those, those gut blockages that we saw in those birds or from those birds and also the, the fact that you know, they were obviously removed by, by surgery. Now, I think there was one of the one of the well, series of four or five cases, and one of the birds they did, uh, they went back in twice, didn't they? And, and um, I was sitting next to an avian um, veterinarian, and um, they were very surprised the fact that the bird survived, and that they were um, amazed at how, what a good job he must have done to to go back in there, considering what um, trauma would have been done no matter how well he was trying to to do the surgery, um, that it survived two enterolith surgeries, Mark. Well, I think, I think the whole interesting thing for me, uh, reflecting on the program uh, this week, was that um, was a measure of how far we've come, Brendan, that, um, you know, the, the quality of care, the standard of care, the, the number of new things that are... St- that are thought about, the discoveries that come through UPAV, um, the fact that uh, that things like this, that um, uh, the quality of care given to these birds and other animals allows us to do something as, uh, as you know, unheard of uh, when you and I first started doing this, as two consecutive celiotomies and enterotomies on a parrot, um, that that's now considered a reasonable thing to contemplate and do is just a measure of how far we have come. And how old we feel, I think, Mark. Um, yes. Um, and, well, there was... We may cover some of the other topics at another time. I think we're getting close to Mr Outro jumping in at the moment. Um, and the other thing that um, I think you mentioned to me several times, uh, because I think this is the first one you've gone to for a while is is the fact that we're back into conferences, the face-to-face conferences and, and how good it is to, to see all our colleagues face-to-face again and and obviously also the catch-up during the breaks and the the, the dinners after the um, each each session at night um, and, and, and just seeing everybody, Mark, it, it was great, wasn't it? Indeed it was, Brendan. I think it's, uh, it, it's really, um, really brought home to me the whole period of lockdown, the absence of, uh, of um, face-to-face conferences, but also the absence of client contact, um, all that stuff. You know, if you'd said to me before this came along how important it was that we maintain that stuff, I might have just been a little bit... Um, dismissive but crikey's it, it was abundantly clear how important it is for us to uh, keep the company of people and there's no better company in my mind than my tribe the uh, um, unusual pets and avian vet special interest group there people after my heart and um, yeah I just uh, it, it uh, feeds my soul to be around them well if you say crikey one more time, Mark, I'm going to slap you. Um, although we are up in the Northern, Northern Territory. Territory. There's lots and, of crocodiles around. And we did, uh, just just as an aside before Mr Outro jumps in, we did go to a, a dinner where we um, were surrounded by crocodiles, um, including a, 
one crocodile which was right next to our table, wasn't it, mate? We managed to score the, the best table near the near the underwater viewing sort of section, and it was a 500 kilogram crocodile that was um, just peering into us occasionally and I, every time it came past you were jumping up taking selfies I saw that um, so yeah I suppose crikey is appropriate for this um, particular episode but just don't make a habit of it Mark we'll talk to you all next week and thanks for listening for listening to the vet podcast by the vet gurus don't forget to visit us at the website vetgurus.com where you can subscribe view show notes listen to previous episodes and more you can contact us via email at vetgurus at gmail.com to ask a question or just say hi thanks again and see you next time